This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 777. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 777. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, shameless moms. Happy Monday. It's the depths of summer. We're in the bowels of summer over here. And when I say bowels of summer, I mean the kids have been out of school for, in our case, only a couple of weeks, but it's already too long. <laughs> and the camp schedule is weird and wonky and hard. In our household, we have like a couple of weeks where we don't have camps right now, which is just, it's just too much togetherness. I'm making 14 meals and snacks a day. There's snack bowls all over my house. There's messes everywhere. There's a lot of complaining and arguing. There is a lot of just disgruntled attitudes around choices of snacks and meals, choices of activities, what's allowed, what's not, all the things. And I know I'm not alone. So if you're listening to this episode in the summer of 2023. I am sending you hugs and high fives because I know I'm not the only one surviving summer, barely, like hanging on by a thread. So what I want to talk about today, and I think this is such a juicy topic because it's something I really struggle with, but I'm really practicing, especially by watching others do this well, is practicing being a better listener by leading with curiosity. 
and even like a better communicator and a better relationship builder by leading with curiosity. And I'm a very curious person. I'm super nosy. And (laughs) I'm like, how much do I tell you about how nosy I am? You all know, I mean, half the guests I get on the show are because I stalked them on Instagram. So I'm just, I'm a nosy person by nature. I want to know all the things about all the people. And I've always been that way. Like I'm the person that would like, you know, try to find other people's diaries and read them (laughs) at a younger age. I promise I would not do that now though, but I have better boundaries now. So when I think about leading with curiosity though, I also know that I have an anxious jumpy brain. And I talked about my anxious jumpy brain and my diagnosis of ADHD, which makes a lot of sense when I think specifically about leading with curiosity, because when I think about my anxious jumpy brain, I have a constant urge and need to talk and to share and contribute and to make my point known and to be seen and to be a fixer and to get the right answer out before anyone else in the room gets the right answer out. And there's an urgency around all of this. And that makes it hard for me to sit back and listen. And so whether you're someone like me who has an anxious, jumpy, maybe even ADHD brain, or you're a huge extrovert, which also I'm like raising my hand on that one, um, or you're just someone who struggles to listen and lead with curiosity. And sometimes that gets you into trouble because you jump to conclusions, or maybe you talk over people, or maybe you dominate a conversation or try to micromanage or manipulate a conversation. This conversation, this episode today, I think will be really, really helpful for you because I think it's gonna give you some insight onto how you can sit back and listen and learn and make space for other people And then use that as a tool for building better relationships and as a tool for like getting to understand different points of views, having more empathy, and just being a generally better communicator. So I want you to think about what is gained by sharing or shoving our thoughts with other people and dumping them on other people at breakneck speed. Because when we do that, we also really quickly lose the opportunity to step back and get curious and really listen and to dig into engaging and enriching conversations. What I mean by that is that when we are in a moment where we're, whether we're sitting in a meeting or we're taking a walk with a friend, when we jump in to share or maybe like shove or try to override a a conversation with our own ideas or thoughts at a really kind of fast, urgent speed without stepping back and listening and learning first, we lose the opportunity to hear what other people are thinking and hear where they're coming from and really deeply understand their point of view, which can erode trust. And it actually can erode credibility and even erode authority if you're doing this in like a professional environment. I've caught myself in moments like this a number of times in different organizational opportunities. I've had volunteer organizational opportunities where once I've gotten comfortable in the environment, If something comes up in a meeting, I'm quick to jump to conclusions and then want to share my thought really quickly with the room rather than sitting back and listening a little bit longer to get a little more detail or to, instead of sharing a thought, share or ask a really good question. So this actually happened a couple years ago. I was sitting in this um, meeting with an organization and they were rewording something. They were rewording something that was going to be published online and kind of in all their promotional materials. And it was all about changing one word. And I had big feelings about changing this one word because that's who I am. <laughs> like, you're going to change one word. If it's a certain kind of a word, I'm going to have some big feelings. So they were going to change this one word. 
And I immediately thought if they take out the word that is there right now, it changes the meaning of this entire kind of structure um, and philosophy that was going to be shared in a really profound way. And so as soon as they said that, I was like, whoa, 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 like, hey, if we take out this word, here's all the stuff that's going to be lost. Here's how it's going to break trust. Here's how it's going to make people upset. And I did have valid points, I will say. But then someone else in the meeting who had a lot more power, insight, longevity in the system was able to share, well, but we can't really use the word that we're currently using because contextually, it can mean all these different things. And in our, or globally, I guess it can mean all these different things. And in this context, we're not using it in all those ways. It only makes, we have to find a word that doesn't potentially undermine our organization or do harm by not being specific enough. And as soon as this person said that, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. So they were saying, we need to change this word because we need to be able to really back it up. And the word that we're using right now, while it's a really great word and it really attracts people in a very specific way to the work that we do, it isn't totally true in the context in which we're using it. So we had to talk through, okay, what are other words that we can use instead? And I realized in that moment, that I jumped to conclusions and I wanted to get my piece out there so quickly that I didn't sit back to think there's someone who has more insight and wisdom into this organization who's been here exponentially longer than me, who maybe really knows what they're saying when they decide to change a word. And maybe I could ask a question about like, hmm, I'm curious why we would want to take that word out when I think it, you know, because I think it has a lot of meaning and depth for a lot of people versus like, oh my gosh, whoa, 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 we can't take that out that's going to mess everything up and like kind of dominating the conversation and needing to be heard and seen really quickly without getting more information. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And they're specifically designed to combat 
chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. So since then, I've been really working on how can I ask questions? And I will say I'm definitely not always perfect with this. I'm really good at asking questions when I interview people because I know my place in that conversation is to ask questions and listen and learn and then respond thoughtfully to what they say. And that's a skill that comes from now having done like 400 interview episodes and I can do that really well. But in a lot of other contexts, when I'm in casual conversation or when I'm sitting in a circle around, you know, within an organization, not so much if I'm working with getting paid to work with an organization, but more in a volunteer role. If I'm getting paid, I'm very careful to listen and learn because I know I'm not the senior person in the room. And I know that I really need to be conscientious of how that organization operates before I give my input. But if I'm sitting within an organization and volunteering and I have some experience with that organization, then that's where I get like more quick to jump in. Same thing with groups of friends where like someone's telling a story and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, that's just like the time when I blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, the people that like want to one up with stories. I don't think I'm a one upper with stories, but I like to compare stories. And I'm the person that's always like, I got a story for that too. And I'm sure there's friends who are like, oh my God, Sarah has a story for everything. Because you know what I do. (laughs) But I also understand that maybe not everyone else always wants to hear my stories. (laughs) So if you are someone like me, where your brain was just not innately designed to sit back and listen and learn and lead with curiosity, but your brain has this sense of urgency where you want to jump in and share and contribute and externally process things, then I want you to think through how becoming more curious could help you be a better communicator, a better relationship builder, and really allow you to uphold and carry some gifts that could take you really far in terms of how you show up in the world. So let's talk through, I want to talk through first just six ways that you can be a more curious person. And I will say that a lot of these things are things I'm constantly practicing to varying degrees of success. And a lot of them are things that I'm practicing because I'm in relationships with people who do them really well. And I watch these people and I'm like, wow, they're really good at that. And I will say, most of these people are introverts. (laughs) And so I really, as an extrovert, practice or try to learn from my introverted colleagues and friends because they do this so well. And it's something that I really struggle with and I have to really, really think about. And it's what they do naturally. 
So the first thing that you can do to become a more curious person is identify as a great question asker. Identify that instead of identifying as like, I'm a friend who likes to talk a lot, or I'm a friend who always has good stories or whatever, be like, I'm a friend or I'm a colleague who asks really good questions. So again, when I'm in that role of interviewing for the podcast, I get compliments all the time about the questions that I ask and how I engage in conversation. So in that context, I can sit and do that. I'm not nearly as good at doing that in my interpersonal relationships or in my other kind of other um, outside of podcast interview relationships. And I have other people in my life who do this really well. And there's actually two people I want to use as examples. So one is a mentor of mine who uses question asking in her business, in her coaching and in her leadership in the most incredible ways. And she is like so much the opposite of me. I always want to give you the list of like, here's five things you can do. And she instead will be like, here's five questions I want to ask you. And how can those questions guide you to make decisions for yourself rather than me spoon feeding you five things that you might be able to do in this instance? And whenever I've watched her do this, whether it is in public spaces or in smaller intimate spaces, it's just so incredible what comes up. And I recognized in watching her do this that I am not a super skilled question asker when it comes to presenting and speaking in certain contexts or in friendships. (laughs) I mean, if I'm being nosy, I'll have a lot of questions. But sometimes if I feel like I have a lot to share, I let that urgency override my ability to ask questions. So that's the first example in this mentorship example. And the way that this mentor of mine does this is asking questions around like why or how or tell me more about that or what was that like? Or how would you feel if or I'm wondering XYZ or I'm curious, she says this all the time. I'm curious, blank, 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 like I'm curious what it would feel like or what it would be like or, you know, what would make you feel best or X, Y, Z, like so many good questions around that. Another person that does this really well is a mom friend of mine. And we've had the opportunity to sit through many, many sports activities in the last couple of years and have really long conversations. And what I notice is her ability to not jump in and share at every opportunity but to ask really good questions. And she does this as a parent as well. It was really interesting. I was asking Vinny in kind of a heightened emotional situation the other day. I was asking Vinny some questions, trying to be like this role model mom, trying to ask him some really good questions to make him think and kind of help him de-escalate a little bit in emotions. And he goes, mom, you sound exactly like so-and-so's mom who always <laughs> wants to ask questions to prob- so, to solve problems. And I was like, yep, like that's the best compliment you could give me. And he wasn't, he was saying it like in this positive way, like I know that she does that and it, it's really helpful. And so this is a friend and I tell her, I'm like, the way that you ask questions is such a gift. Like the way that you communicate with other people through asking questions, it just shows your ability to listen and to see people and to really reflect back what you're seeing in a situation which just shows how observant you are and how much you care and how much empathy you have. And it's just this like really, really beautiful gift. And so I try to think of her as well when I'm thinking about how can I be a better question asker and how can I hold space for other people and make it not about centering me, but really make it about centering them. So that's the first thing is starting to identify as being a great question asker. And you know that's going to take practice. Like maybe you start out as being like a, a better question asker than you are right now. Number two. So the second thing that you can do to become a more curious person is to listen actively without formulating your response while you're listening. If you have a constant sense of urgency when you're listening to other people talk, where you are just waiting for your opportunity to get your thing in, I feel like I'm often like, and this is an ADHD thing, like the whole time someone else is talking, I'm like 
putting like a thumbtack in my idea to be like, don't forget to say this. Don't forget to say this. Don't forget to say this. And especially if it's in a group situation and it's so distracting to me that I'm trying so hard to remember my thought or the thing that I want to contribute that I have a really hard time actively listening because I'm, I'm focusing on the thing I don't want to let go of in my brain versus focusing on what's actually happening in the conversation or in the group. So one of the things I've learned from Nikita, our assistant coach inside the Shameless Mom Academy, is the power of sitting back and listening and then really thoughtfully formulating a response based on what you heard. So I will often formulate a response based on like an idea that I had while the person was talking, but it's usually centered around something that like I want to share or give advice on or something that's like related or runs parallel. And what I notice when Nikita, ex- or introvert to my extrovert, when she actively listens, she's not formulating a response. And so after, and this happens all the time, we meet every week and I will ask a question like, hey, what are you thinking we should do about XYZ inside the membership? Or what do you think, this is gonna be our theme for the month. What are some ideas that we could use around this? And she does not have urgency about her responses. Instead, she sits there and she thinks, and she gives herself time and space for us to just sit there in silence and think. And she does the same thing when she's leading coaching calls within the Shameless Mom Academy as well, where she will ask people a question and give them time to think and process versus throwing a question out there and moving on. And so I want you to think about when you are in conversation, instead of being focused on preparing your response to be focused on really listening around what does this person need right now? Or how can I ask a follow-up question that helps them see I'm really listening. And you come up with really different responses when you come at it from that angle. And that piece can be really, really powerful. So to be actively listening without formulating your response, without having this pressure around, this is the thing I have to say, and I have to like hold on to it till it's my turn to talk. So that's number two. Number three is expanding the conversation instead of managing or dominating it. So when you are a curious person, when you are able to actively listen and ask really great questions, you create the space to expand the conversation. And that's really different than having your own agenda around, I need to say this certain thing and it needs to go this certain way and I need to make sure that they understand X, Y, Z. So one of the things that happens with my anxiety slash ADHD, I don't know which it's attributed to, but that it's really important to me to get a certain point across, especially if there's like heightened emotion or frustration. And this is mostly like in my really close interpersonal relationships. And I will try to drive home the same point like 18 times (laughs) to be like, are you sure that you caught this? And this happens a lot in my marriage where I'm like, okay, but I just want to make sure that you know X, Y, Z. And I just want to say it to you one more time from this angle until my husband's like, yeah, I I heard you the first three times you said that. (laughs) And so when you expand the conversation, instead of trying to manage it or dominate it, you are opening that door for the other person to contribute just as much, if not more as you, than you. And also to be intentional about I'm not here to be right, or I'm not here to only get my point across. I'm here to connect. I'm here to get another perspective. I'm here to uh, try to understand someone else's point of view. I'm here to be collaborative um, and work together or, you know, learn together or grow together or be supportive in a certain way. So going in, when you go into a conversation as a more curious person, and you expand that conversation instead of managing or dominating it, you really have the opportunity to build a better relationship and to build trust and to build connection and to build just a deeper sense of 
commitment to that relationship to really show like I'm in it with you. And let's just stay here together until we can figure this thing out. Or until like you get what you need until we both get what we need so that conversations can be win win conversations. This episode is supported by mysteries about true histories a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Number four, the fourth way that you can be a more curious person is to suspend judgment and the need to immediately respond or counter everyone who thinks differently than you. So you may be, or you may know people who, as soon as someone says something, they have this counter idea that's like their own personal agenda around something. This happens all the time in politics and has for the last number of years, where one person has one idea and the other person counters with them and they immediately need to push their agenda and counter with the exact opposite thing. And the response is really immediate. They like can't let someone else's idea hang out there for a while. So how can you suspend judgment? Let someone put their idea out there and let it just hang there for a minute without dismissing it, without rejecting it, without countering it immediately and be committed to learning more in that moment than judging. You might not agree with the other person at all. But how can you be committed to learning more than judging? Because if you can be committed to learning and saying like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. I can see how this piece is important to you, or I can see where that piece, you know, makes sense to you. Then when you go to share your piece, if it is counter to what they're saying, if you've already acknowledged that you can see part of their point of view, how do you think they're going to respond when you share your point of view? They might be way more able to meet you where you at because you just met them where they're at. So when you can suspend judgment and that immediate need, that need to immediately respond or counter anyone who thinks differently than you by dismissing or rejecting them, then you can 
really engage in a conversation that's likely to be more productive, it doesn't mean that you have to end up agreeing on everything, but it's just still likely to be more of a productive conversation and also a conversation where you can like end it still being in open communication with the other person versus like shutting each other out and then being like, well, where do we go from here? Do we just never speak again? Which is happening a lot. And I'm guilty of this. Like I've done this with certain personal, interpersonal relationships. And to some extent it had to be done in certain instances. And to some extent there might've been more space for me to listen and learn better without shutting the door. Number five, the fifth way to become a more curious person is to show genuine interest. So This is where my friend, my mom friend really shines in asking follow-up questions and inviting people to share more and dig deeper and to take up more space. So when someone's sharing something with you to just ask them to share more, Brene Brown, when she does interviews, she does this all the time and I love it. Someone will start sharing something with her and if it's, especially if it's something unfamiliar or that she isn't quite grasping, she'll always say, say more, say more about that. And instead of just making assumptions or jumping to conclusions or jumping in with her like response in terms of what she did get from the conversation from whatever the other person said, she'll say, say more. And it expands the conversation. It allows the other person to be seen even more and to clarify is like bring more clarity to what they're saying. So then Brene can then more deeply and comprehensively understand what is actually being said and how she can respond in a thoughtful and intentional way versus just needing to respond immediately based on what she might be thinking the other person is intending to say. So asking someone by showing genuine interest, like, oh, say more about that. Tell me more about that. That's interesting. What led you to that conclusion? And you can say these things in very neutral ways. So whether or not you agree with what the other person is saying, you can say these in really neutral ways. Or if you're just wanting to expand the conversation to invite someone to take up more space, especially if this is someone's maybe struggling with something, to just give them that space to say, oh, tell me more about that. That's really interesting. What led you to that? Or, you know, how is that going for you? What does that actually look like? So showing genuine interest can definitely help build relationships and build trust so that you can be better communicators. And number six is embracing silence. Oh, this is such a hard one. So I mentioned this a little bit earlier. This is like Nikita's gift. So when I mentioned how Nikita manages manages conversation, she's really talented at this. So one of the, or the last way we're going to talk about today about being, uh, becoming a more curious person is embracing silence. And so allowing for pauses and moments of silence during conversation. This gives the other person, especially if they're introverted, time to reflect and provide more thoughtful responses. Silence can also encourage people to share additional information or perspectives. So what can happen, especially if people are slower processors, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but like I'm a fast processor, so I want to move things along really quickly. But people who are slower processors, like they'll get a thought out and then they need to pause for a minute. And then they actually will have a continuation of that thought. But if you immediately jump in, They don't get to have that continuation of the thought. And what's really interesting is that it's often that continuation of the thought that is like the most juicy, the most magical, like the thing that you can really dig into that it just took them a minute to get to because their brain is working in a way that like they're digging deep and they're thinking, how can I be thoughtful and intentional in this response? Whereas an external processor like myself, I'm just externally processing and I can go and go and go with my responses and it might take me 10 to 15 minutes of like circling around it before I get to like the juicy part of it. That internal processor, your introvert friend or colleague, they're going to quietly be working through that same thing in their head. And when they get there, they're going to share it. And it's going to be just as profound as the thing that you have to share. But 
they're navigating it internally while you have navigated it externally. So embracing that silence really allows for people to get to the point where they can share the best parts of their thoughts or the things that are like the most meaningful in a really powerful way to continue to move the conversation along. So what do you win? What do you win when you lead with curiosity? You win deeper and richer relationships. When you have these deeper, richer conversations, it creates this beautiful breeding ground for the relationship, for the friendship, for whatever, the, for the coworker relationship, whatever the situation is. It creates this really much deeper, richer space for the two of you to be together and to learn from one another. And then as a result of that, the second thing that you win is more safety and trust. So then there's more safety and trust there because you've had that deeper, richer context, which is often an opportunity for vulnerability. Now, the next thing that's born out of that is more safety and trust in that relationship or in that partnership if it's a more professional um, situation. That safety and trust will go a really, really long way because when you have that safety and trust built, when things get fumbly down the road, you can go back to that foundation. If you don't take the time to build the deep and the rich and the trusting and safe foundation, then when things get fumbly, it all just crumbles. The third thing that you win when you become more curious is empathy. So having empathy towards others who might have different lived experiences or different points of view than you is so significant in being able to be a change maker and being able to use your voice in powerful ways and being able to stand up and being able to show up and being able to lead and being a thought leader and being just someone who um, takes up space in a powerful way in this world and makes that part of your legacy. And also demonstrates that to your kids so that they can do the same thing. So winning that ability to carry empathy is extremely important and extremely powerful. The fourth thing that you win is the ability to see, understand, and embrace diverse viewpoints. You don't always have to agree with everything that everyone says. When you can see, understand, and embrace like, oh, they think this because of this. Like this is where they're coming from. This is their POV here. And I'm over here with my POV and I can see how we both got there. And I don't necessarily agree with everything they said, but I can see how they got there. That makes sense. And right now there might be a lot of distance between what we both think, but I can see this viewpoint. And in being able to see that, it opens the door to be able to continue conversation and communication. Or it might be that you have the ability to see, understand, and embrace diverse viewpoints, and then carry that empathy and then be like, okay, this is great. I understand where they're coming from. And I really want to work with them. Like, I want to dig into that. I want to be a part of that. Even though we've come from different angles or different places or positions, I want to be able to work together. There's a lot of space for collaboration here. And then the fifth thing that you win is a departure from always needing to be right to always being open-minded. Oh, this is a hard one, but it's such a gift. So when you always need to be right, because you aren't curious, you will find yourself up against a lot of roadblocks. People will probably not love being in communication with you, and you will probably struggle to build safe and trusting relationships and deep, rich foundations in those relationships. When you can step away from always needing to be right and instead shift into being open-minded, all of a sudden you have this breeding ground for relationships that can be really meaningful. I had an experience like this over the course of the last couple of years with um, another woman. And I made a lot of assumptions based on some things that another person said. And I was like, oh, we're just really different. And we have really opposite belief systems. And so this is not someone I can have a relationship with. And in having to do some work with this person or spend some time with this person over the last couple of years, I actually found that I really enjoyed them and that we are very far apart on certain things. 
but also there's a lot that unites us. And I can really, really respect this woman for that. And I actually really enjoy spending time with her. And it's been very eye-opening for me to step away from like, I don't need to have the same beliefs that they have. And I might even be offended by some of this person's beliefs. But I also can see where we have this common ground. And I'm really open-minded to being in a relationship with this person because we have to spend a lot of time together. And because there's parts of them that are really fantastic and positive and supportive of our community and in all sorts of positive ways. And we've actually been able to lean on each other for a few different things in the last few months. And it's been really great. And so that was such a great example of being able to step away from needing to be right about something and instead just being open-minded that not everyone needs to believe all of the things I believe. (laughs) And instead, I can appreciate people for all the things that make them whole and not just picking out some of the things that we don't see eye to eye on and letting that be the foundation of a relationship. So I hope this was helpful. I hope that you can see what you can win when you lead with curiosity. This might be an episode you want to listen to twice. It might take a minute to internalize this. So don't be afraid to like bookmark this one and come back to it again and again as you learn and as you practice leading with curiosity, because it definitely is a practice. So thank you for being here. And remember, I'm in this with you always. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking 
through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.